Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by the book guide. Than any other little problem. Because she is our sister. So much younger that you have met her exactly twice in your life. The tall, hawk-faced, restless one actually stands still. Once would have been enough. His quick, sharp voice has slowed and softened, but he does not look at his brother. Rather, he appears to stare through the oak-panelled walls of the club room to some distant place or time. He says... She reminds me of myself when I was that age, all nose and chin, gawky, awkward, simply not fitting in with any nonsense. At once the older brother puts a stop to such balderdash. Preposterous! She is a female. Her intellect is inferior. She requires protection. There can be no comparison. Frowning, nevertheless, like a statesman, he calms his tone in order to take charge. Such questioning of past events serves no useful purpose. The only rational query now is, how do you propose to find her? By an apparent effort of will, the tall man reins in his faraway gaze, focusing his keen grey eyes upon his brother. After a pause, he says merely, I have a plan. I expect nothing less. Might you share your plan with me? Silence. Settling back into his armchair, the older brother smiles a thin smile. You needs must have your cloak of mystery, eh, Sherlock? The younger brother, also known as the great detective, shrugs his shoulders, his manner now as cold as that of the elder, there is no useful purpose to be served by telling you anything at this time, my dear Mycroft. If I am in need of your assistance, rest assured I shall call upon you. For what purpose have you come here tonight, then? For once, to speak my mind. Is it indeed your mind speaking, my dear Sherlock? It seems to me that your mental processes lack discipline. You have allowed your nerves to get the better of you. You seem overwrought. A condition preferable, I think, to being not wrought at all. With an air of finality, Sherlock Holmes collects his hat, gloves and walking stick, then turns towards the door. Good night, Mycroft. My best wishes for the success of your scheme, my dear Sherlock. Good night. Chapter the First With a shock of astonishment, I read the card brought into me on a silver tray by the page boy. Dr. John Watson, M.D. I spoke the name aloud to assure myself I was seeing it rightly, for I could not believe that this of all persons should be the very first client to enter the newly opened, January 1889, office of London's and indeed the world's only scientific perditorian. Dr. John Watson? John was a common enough name, but Watson? And a medical doctor? It had to be, but still I did not wish to believe it. 
Is it who I think it is, Joddy? How would I know, my lady? Joddy, I have told you before, you are to address me as Miss Meshel. Miss Meshel. I rolled my eyes, but what could one expect of a boy whose mother had named him Jodper, misspelled J-O-D-P-E-R in the parish registry, because riding breeches sounded genteel to her. It was Joddy's awe of my ruffles and puffed sleeves that made him call me Lady, but he mustn't, or people would start asking questions. I wanted the page boy to retain his awe, which kept him from realising I was actually a mere girl not much older than he, but I wanted him to cease and desist the milady. More calmly, remembering to guard against any aristocratic edge upon my accent, I asked him, "'You have already told the gentleman that Dr. Rogoston is not in?' "'Yes, milady. I mean, yes, Miss Meshel.' The scientific purdatorian's office bore the name.